of nations come. Fix in us thy humble home. Christ the woman's conquering seed. Bruise in us the serpent's head. Adam's likeness now effaced. Stamp thine image in his place. Second Adam from above. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are indeed thankful, Father, for the second Adam, Lord, who is also our Savior. Lord, we're so thankful, Father, that uh, we can have this uh, uh, second uh, opportunity to worship you, Lord, in spirit and in truth. Uh, we're so thankful for the worship and the praise this morning, Lord, and the message that you gave to us from uh, Brother Merlo, Lord. We look forward to uh, what else you have for us to receive this evening. Father, we just pray, Lord, that you bless this afternoon worship. It's in the name of Jesus we ask. Amen and amen. If you could turn to hymn 58, hymn 58, as we continue to emphasize the love of our Lord. Isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful? Amen. I got one amen back there. Hymn 58, hymn 58. Isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful? Amen. Amen. Sing along. Ah, uh, there will never be a sweeter story, story of the Savior's love divine, love that brought him from the realms of glory, just to save a sinful soul like mine. Isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful? Yes, wonderful. Yes, wonderful isn't the love of jesus something wonderful wonderful it is to me all boundless as the universe around me reaching to the farthest soul away saving keeping love it was that found me that is why my heart Yes, 
wonderful is the love of Jesus something wonderful wonderful it is to me Amen. all right you may be seated welcome to Central Park's afternoon service we're awful glad that you're here today I'm going to give you some uh, announcements if you didn't get a bulletin uh, today, I know that some were extra were given or turned in or, or printed or something, and we were able to get some out to uh, others, so let me just give you some of those. Don't forget, next Sunday will be our Christmas banquet, amen? I'm going to come dressed really nice in a beautiful gown, and I mean, uh, in, a, in a nice, uh, I'm going to wear a tuxedo, I think, and uh, I'm just going to come nice, and uh, I have my wife, she's going to come in a beautiful gown, and we're, it's a banquet, amen? amen, and we're doing it for the sake of Jesus Christ, amen. our Savior, amen, we want to glorify his name, and so that'll be after our morning service, we'll, we will have Sunday school, then we'll have our morning service, then we'll go to the Fellowship Hall for our, our, um, our Christmas banquet, also on that day, we're taking up our final donations for Homeless No More Baptist Church, amen. amen? And so that'll be a wonderful opportunity to give extra things that you have and good qualities, things that we could give folks who don't have what you and I have, you know. Right. We were talking out soul winning yesterday on our, on our van about how blessed we are in America. We are like royalty around the rest of the world as far as the, most of the world is concerned. They think we're the richest people in the world. In reality, we are. Our impoverished people are wealthier than their wealthy people. It's really, it's a really an amazing thing. I met two kings in Africa that asked me to uh, stay there and build ministries there. And uh, they're, they're great, uh, large, um, palatial palaces were yeah, yeah. double wide trailers. Yeah, yeah. And that was their palace. Mm -hmm. And that's for royalty. So we are very, very blessed. So if you have something that you th could bring for those who don't have, it would be a great blessing, not only for them, but for you to be able to know that you've been a blessing to someone else, to give them the opportunity to hear the gospel. For that's what the, the clothing is used for. We get, we, they offer it to them, they come and receive it, and they receive the gospel at the same time. So that's what it's about, if you could help. Amen. There will be a potluck meal, of course, afterwards. That will be our banquet. Please bring enough for yourself and two extra people. And then uh, <coughs> tomorrow, Monday, <coughs> December 4th, at 6.45 in the evening, will be the men's and the ladies' uh, Bible study night. And it's also uh, there, something about Christmas gifts being exchanged and so on. But the details are out on the bulletin if you have any, any questions. Then ladies' Bible study on December 12th coming up. Uh, and that's a Tuesday of next week. Uh, and then there's other announcements. If you have any questions on announcements or you would like to maybe find out something you're not sure about, don't hesitate to ask myself or Pastor or Mrs. White or uh, um, Megan Fernandez, wherever she is. I, th I think she might be in the nursery tonight, but um, we can answer those questions for you pretty easily and uh, let you know what's going on at our church. Welcome to our afternoon service. Pastor? Amen. Amen. If you don't forget to bring your gifts tomorrow night, we're going to exchange gifts as well. Uh, any $20 or under, if it's for one another, anything over 100 if it's for me, okay? <laughs> so, uh, you know, money's no object, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but $20 and under uh, for tomorrow night, we're going to have a good time with that. And uh, But, you know, we're going to eat first. 
All right, yeah, I mean, you can't get together without eating, right? So that's the first, and then we'll uh, do our devotion and our gift exchange. So uh, don't forget about that. Uh, well, y'all ready to have a good offering? Say amen. 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 <laughs> Brother Merlot was going to have a good, a good love offering until he made the comment about moving the piano. <laughs> and uh, so the love offering did decrease by 40%, you know, <laughs> because I think I would have been a lot more help than he realized. You know, so uh, just saying, I just thought I'd throw that in there, you know. I don't think you realize it's on wheels, so, uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, but uh, the message was good this morning, amen, amen, amen. amen. just like I wrote it up for him, I'm just saying, no, but looking forward to the message this afternoon, I appreciate the message this morning, and Looking forward to that. But let's have a good offering now. If you hadn't had the chance to give, let me encourage you to do so. Uh, this is the, you know, every Sunday is the season for giving. Amen. Not just Christmas, amen, right. but every That's week. Right. God right. said, uh, on the first day of the week, let him lay by in store that which God hath prospered us. And amen. somebody was telling me the other day that they were in a Sunday, not here, but in a Sunday school class, and they were talking about tithing. And uh, this individual said that they quoted a verse of scripture in the in Baptist church, by the way. And they said, well, that's not in my Bible. And he quoted a verse about giving. And the, and the person said, well, it's in my King James Bible, you know. And, but I thought, man, so I thought, my, listen, giving is important. Uh, our tithes represent you and I. Represents our week, represents our self, it represents your work, and we give a portion of ourselves back to God through our tithes and offerings, and so God help us to give as He desires, and that's to be a cheerful giver, Amen. And let so let me encourage you to be a giver, Father. Help us, Lord, and uh, God bless this offering. And I'm thankful, Lord, that You have uh, given to us the greatest gift that anyone could ever give, and that's the gift of eternal life if we'll just receive it and. Lord, which comes, as Brother Merlot preached this morning, comes only through the Lord Jesus Christ. And, uh, God, I'm thankful for that. And so, Lord, we have an opportunity now to give back a portion of, of the many blessings that you bestowed upon us through our tithes and offerings. And so, Lord, I pray that you bless the offering, bless the gift and the giver, and we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have an offering, you please come. At this time, if you're able to rise, we would love for you to join us in singing the first and last verses of hymn 291, hymn 291, Come and Dine, Come and Dine, hymn 291.
Coming down, hymn 291. Ah, Jesus has a table spread where the saints of God are fed. He invites his chosen people, come and dine. With his manna he does feed and supplies every need. Oh, tis sweet to sup with Jesus on the dine. Come and dine, the master calleth, come and dine. You may feast to Jesus' table all the time. He who fed the multitude turned the water into wine. To the hungry calleth now, come and die. Oh, soon the Lamb will take his bride to be ever at his side. All the host of heaven will assemble be. Oh, twill be a glorious sight. All the saints in spotless white. And with Jesus they will feast eternally. Come and die, the master calleth, come and die. You may feast at Jesus' table all the time. He who fed the multitude turned the water into wine. To the hungry calleth now, come and die. Amen. And for those of us who are blood-bought believers, we're going to have that opportunity to feast with the Lord at the, supper, at the uh, marriage supper of the Lamb. Amen. And you say, when will that time be? Well, it will be. When we all get to heaven, hymn 429, hymn 429, when we all get to heaven. Now, at the conclusion of this hymn, we want you to greet one another. Amen. 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 I'll sing the wondrous love of Jesus. Sing his mercy and his grace in the mansions bright and blessed. He'll preach. For us a place when we all, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Oh, while we walk this pilgrim pathway, clouds will over the sky but when traveling days are over not a shadow not a shine when we all get to heaven what a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus we'll sing and shout the victory you know, in that second verse where it says, when we walk the pilgrim pathway, I almost said penguin. <laughs> you had to have been at the morning service to know what I'm talking about. Last verse, here we go. Uh, onward to the prize before us. Soon his beauty will behold. Soon the pearly gates will open. We shall strut the streets of gold. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Amen. Please greet each other at this time.
What a great song. Thank you. It's good to be back in the Lord's house. It's good to see you guys back. What a great group. Uh, thank you for those that cooked lunch. It was uh, really good. Appreciate that. Um, so we're going to show you the video right now. Before I do, I just want to say a little bit about our video. Um, so last year, we were really praying that the Lord would give us property. Um, we had been renting a storefront for, well, since we started the work in 2016, and we began looking at, at different properties, buildings, and everything was just real expensive. Um, so in my mind, I just kind of gave up on buying property right then because of the prices. And I got a call from the financial director from our sending church. He just asked, he's like, are you guys needing any, uh, you have any special needs, any projects? 
And I said, well, we're, we're looking at buying property. Um, this is kind of what we have. Um, but everything is too expensive. And you got to know him. He's like, oh, okay. And that's it. He didn't say much, much else at all. And so about three weeks later, he gives me another call. And he says, hey, I just want to let you know we just finished our vacation Bible school. And we had the largest offering of the history of the church. We took up $8,000. And we want to send it to one of our missionaries, and you're the missionary. So, you know, right there, just overwhelmed. And, you know, tears coming out of my eyes. And so I got to looking for properties. And that very, the very next day, I found the property on uh, online that looked like it would be something we'd be interested in. And in, in our price range, so I went and looked at it, and they were asking 35000 for it, for the property with an unfinished building on it. So I said, well, I have thirty-three, Not a lot of difference, but I'm like, well, you take 33000 So he talked to the owners of the property, and they agreed. So we were able to buy a piece of property for $33,000, um, which is just a huge blessing. Our people were excited about it. And so we bought the property last September and we were able to do a lot of work on it and finished it this, this past January. Had our first service at the, the last Sunday in January and just amazed to see what the Lord has done. It's almost the actual um, construction remodeling is almost completely paid off. We only owe about 15000 on it. So we're just giving the Lord praise for what he's done. So in the video, really, we're just going to show you pictures of the property, uh, the construction, and some pictures at the end of the people that are uh, there at the church. So at this time, we'll go ahead and show the video, and then we'll say a little bit more. Thank you. 
So that gave you a little bit of update. Um, uh, can I show again there? Um, in the beginning, you saw a picture of a group of men. Those are all men from different Baptist churches in Argentina. And um, one of them is a general contractor. So they put together like a group of men that uh, have different, you know, maybe plumbing, electricity. And they come and help free of charge. So they were with us for three days. And we got more work than we could have got done in three months if we would have paid somebody. They were there when the sun came up. And they didn't leave until the sun went down. And so that was just a huge blessing uh, for them to come down. And it's just exciting to see the Lord working. We've already had probably over 30 visitors uh, visit the church. Some have stayed, some haven't. But um, we just want to give the Lord praise for what he's done and what he's doing there in Argentina. Um, So some of you know um, why we're back. This wasn't a planned furlough. Um, My daughter, we found out earlier in the year, she has a disease called Perthes disease. So basically, the blood flow stops going through the head of the femur. And so her femur has died. And um, her doctor in Argentina said, we haven't seen this a lot here. If you want, I could try to do the surgery. So he's not real convinced. (laughs) Um, I could try to do the surgery. But I would just really recommend you take her to Scottish Rite down in Dallas. So immediately we applied. They treated us as an international case. It took them about six months to get back with us. And then they're just like, we can get you in in a week. So me and my daughter came back first, not knowing what to expect, not knowing if they're going to do surgery, if they are, when do they want to do it, um, how long is the recovery. We, We really didn't know anything. And so when we got here, her appointment was on Wednesday, and the doctors said, okay, a couple things. Number one, she has it on both legs. Well, we didn't know that. She's like, number two, it's affecting even her walk, her back. She's walking like this. She really needs to get a procedure done. So we'll get her in the next Wednesday. So this is like a week, and my whole family's back in Argentina. So we arranged for everyone to come back, and they did the operation, which basically just reformed the femur. And they put her in this Petri cast, which looks like the capital A, that she couldn't move her legs at all, for seven weeks. After the seven weeks, he had kind of left it up to us whether we wanted to do a major surgery or if we wanted to go to braces, which he told us she would have to wear them for a year, uh, 12 hours a day, and it was up to us. But when we got to the hospital to take off her cast, he said, she's doing so well. Her mobility is excellent. Um, I really don't see any need to do surgery. Amen. We'll just go with the brace. And now, instead of a year, very likely in four to five months, she'll have off the brace completely. Amen. So that's just an answer to prayer. Right. Um, you know, the Lord works in ways we would never right. imagine. Yeah. And, um, you know, through all this process, too, my brother has had a, a, a kidney disease for about 20, 21 years. And uh, last year I found out his kidneys were functioning under 20%. And I was like, I wish I was here so I could donate my kidney to him. 
but I wasn't going to come off the field just to donate a kidney. And so since the Lord brought us back for my daughter, I now have done the test to donate my kidney. I'm a match, and now I'm just waiting on some final testing the first couple days in January to see if we can go through with the transplant. So um, please pray for that, um, that the, Lord, the Lord's will would be done. Uh, if I do donate the kidney, we would probably be doing it uh, late May, and my brother should have at least another 20 years uh, with this kidney. Possibly uh, the kidney won't ever go bad, so it just kind of depends how his body reacts to the kidney. But I know you guys will pray for us, and so I just wanted to mention that to you um, so you know how to pray a little bit better for us. All right, well, let's open up our Bibles this afternoon to the book of 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. While you're turning there, one more grammar mistake or language mistake. Um, so, um, we do a lot of fishing in Argentina, and the missionary that we worked for as kids, every Monday he would go fishing. And so my dad, he would often invite my dad to go, and one particular uh, week, my dad went fishing, and the assistant came by looking for my dad. Well, my mom couldn't remember how to say fishing which would be um, pescando, okay? She got confused and said pecando, which is a big difference. She said, he's out sinning with the missionary. Uh, so uh, he never did confess, you know. <laughs> but anyways, so we do have to be really careful with what we say. All right, First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 25. Our focus is going to be verse 25, but we'll go ahead and read to the end of the, the chapter. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you once again for your goodness is for the time to sing praises to your name, the time of fellowship, the time to give back is what you blessed us with, and Lord, the time to laugh, and Lord, now we pray that you would bless your word, I pray that you would help me as I deliver your word, fill me with your Holy Spirit, give me the words to say, Lord, we love you, and it's in your name we do pray, amen. And you may be seated. <clears throat> So we're coming to the end of First Thessalonians. And so before we really dig into this particular portion of the book, there's just a few things that we should understand. First off, we know that Paul is the one who wrote First Thessalonians. Uh, he wrote it during his uh, second missionary journey uh, there at the city of Corinth. And it was during this missionary journey that Paul went to the city of Thessalonica. He was only there for a really short period of time. 
Um, as far as we know, many believe he was only there for three weeks. But one thing we must note is that Paul was not alone on this missionary journey. He had uh, Timothy and he had Silas that went along with him. But due to persecution, they were forced to leave. Because what happened is when they began to preach or they began to declare the gospel, many of the Greeks began to receive Christ as Lord and Savior, and the Jews didn't like it. So because they didn't like the teachings of Paul and Silas and Timothy, they began to persecute them, and so they were forced to exit this city of Thessalonica. Doing this letter, there is a lot of requests that Paul makes to this young church. Obviously, as any young believer, there's a lot of things they don't know. It's kind of like a kid. As he's growing up, he has parents, and the parents are there to instruct him, to teach him what not to do and what to do. And so Paul, throughout this epistle, is just uh, giving them order after order after order, kind of just trying to teach them to be strong in their faith, to not get discouraged, to not uh, give up, but to keep on going. And so he begins this book by saying things like this. You need to abstain from fornication. Uh, you need to love one another. Okay, well, it sounds like he's even dealing with us because there's people in church that have grown up in church and still are having problems with loving one another. And so Paul's is really direct and he's saying, look, these are things you need to know. You need to love the brethren. People are going to hurt you. People are going to offend you. I think we could all say people have offended us before. People have said things that weren't kind and, and they've uh, hurt our feelings and the carnal side of us wants to seek vengeance. Oh, yeah? I'm going to get him back. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's the carnal side. And, and Paul knows this. And so Paul tells them in the beginning to seek not vengeance. Uh, people are going to hurt you, but you need to blow it off. Then he says you need to rejoice always. Look, there's going to be some times when it's easy to rejoice, when it's easy to have a song in your heart. There's going to be some great times, but there's also going to be some bad times. There's going to be some times when you may feel down, when you may feel lonely, but I want to encourage you to always rejoice. Then he goes on. Pray without ceasing. Not that you're going to walk around with your eyes closed like this all the time. But always be ready to pray and to ask God for help. There's going to be times when you're tempted and, and be in this attitude of, of prayer and seeking God's help. It says, quench not the Holy Spirit. Despise not the teachings of the Word of God. Man, do we need to hear that now more than ever. Hey, when the word of God is preached, whether you like it or not, don't despise it. Don't reject it. Don't cross your arms and say, he has no business telling me what to do. No, we need to have the spirit to receive the word of God. And he knows that as young believers, they may think that they know it all. Hey, uh, I'm not that bad. But Paul's saying, listen, despise not the word of God. You're not going to like everything you hear, but it's for your own good. Good, so receive it. Man, he's just letting him have it. So now he goes on and he says, 
Prove all things and hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from all appearances of evil. Live a sanctified life. It's not going to be easy. It wasn't easy then and it's not easy now. But he's challenging these young, young believers to live a sanctified life. Live lives that are pleasing to God. Anybody tired yet of this list? <laughs> it's a long list. Yeah. It's an overwhelming list. It's a list that many of us would say, man, I'm struggling with some of these things today. I, I've been in church for how long and I, I'm still struggling with some of these things. But Paul's not done. Yeah. He says in verse 30 or 25, he says this. Brethren, pray for us. The word brethren appears 17 times in this short epistle. This shows us the affection that Paul had for this young church. He had only been there for three weeks, but even though he had only been there for three weeks, he still had a love. He still had a desire to see these people grow. And so he refers to them as brethren. Uh, this selection of word brethren does not leave any Christian aside since all Christians are brethren in Christ and have the responsibility to pray. So he's showing affection to these believers, but at the same time, he wants to make sure that no one is exempt. Just because you may have more time in the Lord doesn't mean that you are exempt and that I'm not speaking to you. So he's saying, brethren, pray for us. Why does he say us? Well, who's he talking about? Well, we need to remember that he wasn't alone. Paul was with uh, Timothy, and he was with Silas. In fact, if we go back to chapter 1, you'll see it in verse 1. Go back to the chapter 1 and verse 1. Paul and Silvanus, Silas, and Timotheus, Timothy, unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Keep your place there. So Paul's saying, I want you guys, I want the believers, I want the Christians, I want you to pray for us. Uh, we're not asking you to do anything that we haven't already done. Look at verse number two. We give thanks to God always for you all making mention of you and our prayers. So Paul is already stating, listen, we make mention of you often. We're thinking of you guys often. Even though we're separated, uh, even though we're not with you, we haven't forgotten about you. We're praying for you. So one may read verse 25 and say, man, I can't believe Paul is asking for prayer for him, for Timothy, for Silas. Who does Paul think he is? What right does he have to tell me to pray for him? Doesn't he know that I have a lot of stuff to do? Man, he just gave me, he just hammered me with his list of, of commands and I'm trying to do them. And now he tells me to take time to pray for him? Just who does Paul think he is? What right does he have? So I want us to notice that Paul isn't asking them to do anything he wasn't willing to do. 
He's been prayed for them. The word prayer, though, is in the present tense. So this helps us understand that prayer should be a daily habit in our Christian life. I think we all would agree, and we teach the kids, read your Bible and do what? Pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. So from the very beginning, you and me understand that we have a command, a responsibility to pray. And not only pray when things go good, not only pray when we need something, but we have this responsibility to continually be in prayer. And more specific, Paul wants them to pray for him, Timothy, and Silas. This isn't the first time either that he mentioned it. Go with me, if you would, to Colossians. Colossians chapter 4, just a few pages back. Well, let's look at verse 1. Masters, give unto your servants that which is equal and equal, or that which is just and equal, knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Look at verse number 3. With all praying also for who? Us. So it leads us to this question. Why is Paul so concerned about the fellow believers, brethren, praying for him? Are his prayers selfish? Well, I would say no. Paul is asking for prayer because the circumstances that he was facing were very difficult. They were very hard. We have to remember why he is no longer in Thessalonica. He's no longer there because of persecution. And you and me know that when there is persecution, we can all get in this state of depression. We could all easily lose our joy. We could become down. We could become sad. We could feel sorry for ourselves. And Paul has just been kicked out of this place because he was preaching the gospel and people were repenting and people were coming to know Christ as Savior and now he's facing these circumstances that are very difficult and so he's praying that, or he's asking for prayer so that they could be faithful to what God has called them to do. So that they wouldn't abandon the ministry, so that they wouldn't give up, so that they wouldn't quit, so that they wouldn't let this persecution hinder them from pressing on, for continuing forward, but they want to be faithful unto the end. So as missionaries, spiritual leaders, and pastors, pastors, We and they need your prayer if they're going to make it in the ministry and on the mission field. Life is very different than what you know. Life is very challenging than what you know. There's a lot of obstacles that uh, a missionary, a pastor faces that you don't see. 
that we don't talk a lot about because we don't want to uh, bring our burdens before you and, and we don't want you to, to see what we're facing and we want to be the ones that have a smile on our face. We want you to, to see that we're doing uh, walking with the Lord. We want to be an encouragement to you and many times we hide things from you because we're supposed to be an example but the reality is this that if we're going to make it on the mission field and if pastors are going to continue, continue in the ministry they need a group of believers to get behind them and them in prayer because life is difficult. They face circumstances and challenges that you may not know. So a couple of things that I'm just going to mention on ways that you can pray for your missionaries. So we all know, pray for your missionaries. We say that. Pastors say it. Pray for your missionaries. Okay, great. But how do I pray for my missionaries? Okay, well, let's look to see maybe what Paul can tell us. Go to 2 Thessalonians and chapter number 3. Verse number one. The first thing you can pray for your missionaries, pastors, spiritual leaders, is pray for their safety. Verse one. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. Notice what verse two says. And that we may be delivered... From unreasonable and wicked men. For all men have not the faith. Go to Romans, verse 15. I want you to notice that it says, We may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. All men have not the faith. Now in Romans, in verse 15, verse 31... Again, Paul is writing. That I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea. And the Spanish Bible, it uses the word rebellious. So he is asking to be delivered from the rebellious. To be delivered from those that have not the faith, to be delivered from the wicked and evil men. A, a lot of these countries, it's very dangerous. There's a lot of people that want to hurt the missionary. I was just talking with Brother DeMarco, and he was telling me, in some of these places like Vietnam and in, in the places he go, they're not exactly excited that he's there. In fact, if they catch him teaching uh, the Bible, or, or he could be put in prison, he could be deported. And so it's very dangerous in a lot of these countries. And, and Paul has been preaching the gospel and he got kicked out of Judea or out of uh, Thessalonica. Why? Because not all men had the faith. Men wanted to uh, kick him out of the city. Men didn't like what they were teaching. It went against their tradition. It went against their beliefs. It went against what they were taught. And because they didn't like it, they kicked them out, and this isn't the only time that they did something like that. The Many times we see Paul was, was running from, for his life, or, or, or they were persecuting him because of what he did. We could think of other people. We could, we could think uh, of um, uh, Stephen who got stoned. 
Why did they stone him? Because not all men have the faith. And when you go to these other countries and you begin to proclaim the word of God, not everybody likes what you're teaching. And on some occasions, they want to hurt you. They want to hurt your family. They want to hurt your wife or your kids. They want to break the windows out of your church buildings. They want to turn up the music really loud when you're in church so you can't have church. And so Paul is simply here asking that we pray for him, that God would deliver them from the evil men, from those that have not the faith, that the, from those that may want to put opposition in the way from him doing what God wants him to do. So one way you can pray for your missionaries is for their safety, that God would protect them. Missionaries in Mexico, there's a lot of drug cartels. And I've spoken with missionaries that have had to hide for their life because they don't want churches there. They don't want you coming in and teaching the Bible and their families now on Sundays wanting to go to church instead of going with him. So pray for your missionaries for their safety. Number two, pray for wisdom. As they study God's word to preach it and to teach the word to others. Go, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians, uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 1. We're right there, 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 1. So now he says again, finally, brethren, pray for us, okay? What for? That the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified, even as it is with you. So he's wanting the word of God to have free course. He's wanting to be able to preach with uh, wisdom. He's wanting to be able to preach without any hindrances that the gospel would work in their lives. Go, if you would, to um, Ephesians 6, 19. Well, let's look at verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of what? The gospel. Here Paul is. He preached the gospel. Evil men didn't like it. Persecution arise. They kicked them out. So now Paul's in this situation, and what do I do? Do I keep on preaching the gospel? Do I keep on preaching with boldness like I was, or do I just change the message so I preach what they want to hear? So Paul knows that 
He's commanded to preach the gospel, and so he's praying that God would give him boldness, that God would give him courage, that God would give him strength to not let this persecution hinder him from preaching the gospel, from being faithful to the word of God, from doing what God has called him to do, to not be worried about the evil man that may hurt him, but to just keep on trusting God, keep on preaching the word of God, and that is what missionaries need, because sometimes on the mission field, you prepare a sermon, you preach your heart out, you, you try to get the people to listen, and it's just like they're there looking at you. We want something different. This is boring. Down the, down the road there, they're not preaching, and they got 150 people in their church. Pastor, why don't you lighten up a little bit on the preaching? I mean, haven't you seen the other church? They're starting to bring in these special music groups, and the pastor's starting to have these little five-minute talks, and he never gets red in the face, and he never preaches against sin, and he always preaches these uplifting messages that Jesus is love, and nobody gets offended at him. Oh, pastor, that would be wonderful. They get out early. And so you got to see where Paul's coming from. And so Paul's saying, listen, I want to be faithful to the word of God. I want to preach the word of God, whether they like it or not. Because what's going to change their lives, it isn't some little sermonette. It isn't, oh, Jesus loves you, God bless you. No, it's the preaching of the word of God. And Paul knows that as pastors, as missionaries, if we're not careful, we can leave God's word aside and turn into a social club. We can begin to look around us and we can begin to see that other churches are growing and we can begin to ask, well, what are they doing that I'm not doing? Oh, well, they're not preaching, so I guess I won't preach. Oh, the pastor don't receive any persecution, so I guess I'm going to do what he does. But as missionaries, we're not called there to do what we want to do. We're called there to preach the word of God, as we heard this morning, because Jesus is still the light of the world. So we can't lighten up on this. We need to be faithful, and we need to have boldness because it's not popular. And it wasn't popular in Paul's day. So Paul's basically saying, look, pray for my safety. Pray that I don't become calloused. And that I stop studying the word of God or studying and that I don't stop having that courage and desire to preach his boldness. Pray that God would keep that fire in me. Pray that I could be faithful to the word of God. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. And it's not just missionaries. Pastors here in America have that same problem. Because it's not popular to preach the word of God. You're very blessed to have a church that does. Keep on praying for your pastor. That God would help him to keep on even though it's not popular. Ephesians 5, verse 15 and 16. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. All right, so now Paul is basically talking about walking circumspectly, walking not as fools, walking as wise, 
using his time wisely. We need to pray for pastors, missionaries, that God would help them to walk circumspectly. That God would help them to live holy and righteous lives. To set a good example before the people. To be delivered from sin. Sin is real. It's not just something that church people struggle with or non-Christians struggle with. Every human being struggles with sin. Just because we are missionaries or pastors does not mean that we never struggle with our flesh, that we never have a bad thought, or that we never uh, get down and discouraged, or that we never lack faith, or that we never um, that, that, that we never have a bad thought towards somebody and never get mad. Man, if you drive around town, you're going to get mad at somebody. Cutting you off and honking at you when you didn't deserve it. And you know what you want to do? You want to roll down the window. Yeah. You just want to let them know. Well, anyways, let's keep on. <laughs> well, you just want to give them a piece of your mind. If you have kids, sometimes you just want to get mad. <laughs> if you're married, you never want to get mad. Amen. Good. You know. Just because we're in the ministry, just because we're on the mission field, yeah. pastors, yeah. doesn't mean that we don't have struggles. Yeah. Doesn't mean that Satan doesn't want to attack us. In fact, he wants to attack us. He wants us to fall into sin. He wants us to fall into depression. He wants us to do things that aren't appropriate. Why? Because if he can hurt the man of God, if the man of God can fall into sin, then the whole church is probably going to come down with him. So who does he target? The man of God, his family. If we're going to stay on the mission field, we want to be a good example. We want to have a good reputation in our community. We don't want to be known as thieves. We don't want to be known as liars, as cheaters, as hot-tempered, as doing inappropriate things. We want to be known as the man of God. We want to have a good testimony in our community. You know, in Argentina, everybody knows us. We're the only ones that has a big white van. So they always see me driving. If they see that van, they know who it is. We have people that don't even come to church that know that I'm a pastor. It's important that my testimony for the people is good. So we need to pray for your missionaries that God would help them to live above sin, to not give in to the temptations, to not fall in into depression because the work isn't going like it wants to go. Hey, the work is slow. It's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to get depressed. It's easy to get down. It's easy to look at what someone else is doing and feel sorry for yourself. Seventy-five percent of pastors or missionaries 
say they've experienced a crisis of stress in the ministry. That's a lot. 80% of pastors, missionaries, 84% of their wives are discouraged. 5% of them are so discouraged that they will leave the ministry. 50% of pastors, missionaries struggle with depression. 33% of pastors admit missionaries, 33% of pastors, missionaries, admit that they've been involved in some sexual sin. 35% of missionaries are coming out the field. 1,300 pastors leave the ministry every month. Now I say all this so that we can see our duty to be in prayer for our pastors, our missionaries, spiritual leaders. You know what happens many times? We hear some pastor leaves the ministry. Oh, I can't believe pastor down the road, he left the ministry. Man, I can't believe he got so discouraged and just let Satan win the battle. And and he just left the ministry, he left his family, and we become very critical. Oh, I can't believe the missionary over there. I can't believe they're coming out the field. I can't believe what he did. Man, if I was over there, I would be all gun ho and we'd be running a hundred. We get mad, upset, critical. But before we get critical and upset, maybe we should ask this, ourselves this question. Am I praying for that missionary? Am I praying for the pastor? Because the struggles are real. Am I praying that the missionaries would stay faithful to the word of God? Oh, I'll tell you what, I'm just going to stop giving the missions. Seems like all these pastors, missionaries that we're supporting, they're just not doing the stuff. They're over there and they're preaching whatever they want to preach. Man, I'm just going to stop giving my missions offering. Okay, well, have you stopped and prayed for your missionaries? Yeah, yeah, amen. Have you prayed that God would help them to be faithful to the word of God? Right. Have you stopped and prayed that God would keep him from sin? Because he battles with stuff just like you. Right. She battles with stuff just like you. So before we become critical because another missionary's coming off the field or another pastor's leaving the ministry, maybe we should ask ourselves, am I praying for them? What would I do if I was in their shoes? If I was a missionary, what would I want people to do for me? What would I want to do if I was the pastor? Would I want people praying for me? Would I want people trying to encourage me? Or would I want people to criticize me? And would I want people to put me down? And would I want people to always talk behind my back? And would I want people to just uh, come up to me and say, man, pastor, I can't believe you're doing that and that and that. No, you would want them to pray for you. Then why should it be any different for the missionaries? So Paul here is not asking prayer because he's selfish. He's not asking for you to pray for him because he doesn't have anything else to do. Paul's asking that you pray for him because he wants to finish his course strong. And if he's going to finish his course strong, he's going to need your prayer. Because the reality is, not all men have the faith. 
they're wicked, they're rebellious. The reality is that there's times when you don't want to preach the word of God. Just got to be real honest. The reality is that times you're going to want to do what the flesh wants to do. And the reality is sometimes you're going to fall. But Paul's like, man, I don't want to be another one that falls out of the ministry. I want to stay faithful. But brethren, if I'm going to stay faithful, I don't really need to be in prayer. I need the brethren to pray for me. So that when I'm done with my race, God can say, well done, thou good and faithful so we have a great responsibility to pray for your spiritual leaders and your missionaries. Not just blessed so-and-so, pray specifically that God would help him. Safety, preach the word of God, keep him from sin. That's our responsibility. Father, we thank you for another time in your word. Such a short verse. Brethren, pray for us. But yet such a verse with big impact. Lord, I know at times I've become critical. Missionaries that I know come off the field. Sometimes I say, man, what 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 happened? Why did they do that? But Lord, I don't know the struggles they're going through. But I do know it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to get down. And they need our prayers. So that they can be faithful fighting the battle for the Lord. Lord, I pray that you would be with this church. Be with your children. Lord, I I know this is a praying church. Just being here today and so many said, I'm praying for you. That keeps us going. That's encouraging. But Lord, maybe there's someone here that hasn't been praying for their pastor. Oh, they're quick to judge their pastor. Quick to put him down. I've been praying for the missionaries like they should. They're quick to give their opinion. They're quick to send out an email or message or WhatsApp. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be faithful. Lord, I pray that you would Protect the missionaries. Help them to stay by the truth. Keep them from sin. Bless this invitation in your name I pray. Amen. And I ask you to stand every head bowed, every eye closed. God spoke to you tonight, this afternoon. You respond. Maybe this was just a simple reminder, a help to know how you can pray. A message, a call.
Hey, praying for you. That's what keeps us going. It's not just the finances. Yes, we do need that. But more importantly, prayer. sings a verse of invitation if the Lord's speaking to your heart. You come right now. Come on while we sing. Oh, to Jesus I surrender.